This can-do podcast is brought to you by Blake Albina Thoroughbred Services. Blake Albina is a full-service bloodstock agency and consignment company representing clients at every major horse sale in the country. For more information, call Ron Blake at 859-396-4836 or Hunsley Albina at 859-621-0800. Whether an experienced owner or a newcomer to the game, Blake Albina has the knowledge and experience to help you achieve your goals in the thoroughbred industry. I got the horse right here, the name is Paul Revere, and here's a guy that says if the web is clear, can do. Our millions of listeners will remember the voice of Bill Heller, who did so much work exposing the infamous Breeders' Cup Fix 6, which we discussed back in Season 3. Bill is a passionate advocate for our sport, but even more so, I dare say, he is a passionate advocate for doing right in our sport. In that vein, back in 2002, he authored a book, Run Baby Run, that critically examines the use of Lasix in our equine athletes. A use that, when first introduced, was supposed to help the breed. Instead, in the period since Lasix use has become widespread, we've seen ever-shrinking fields. Bill has a lot to say about this topic that I think is well worth listening to. As he and I discussed, our sport is under a microscope and we have to look at everything. Different jurisdictions are beginning to take a stern look at the use of race day Lasix, but we're kidding ourselves if we think the overall issue of medication and treatment of the horses is going to be confined to Lasix, or that the issues of medication and treatment are going to be quieted down by taking a harder line on Lasix's use. I really appreciated having this discussion with Bill. I found it thought-provoking and I hope you will too. All right, so the focus on horse racing in the past year has increasingly turned to the health of the horses in our sport, and rightly so, I might add. As a result, everything from the services on which they run to the methods used to encourage them and manage their efforts in a race are under a microscope. And uh, safe to say the biggest microscope of all is focused on the issue of medications with which our equine athletes are treated. Joining me today is longtime journalist and author Bill Heller who counts among many awards, both Eclipse and William Leggett Breeders' Cup awards for his racing-related writing, although those are far from the only honors he has received. Among many other publications, Bill is the author of 2002's Run Baby Run. It's a critical examination of the use of Lasix in racehorses, which is just one of the many issues that has come under increasing scrutiny recently. So, Bill, first of all, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. And Bill, I, you know, I'm Interested, you were thinking about this. Obviously, the book was published in 2002, so I would imagine you were probably thinking about this in the late 90s and early 2000s. And my recollection as a racing fan was, you know, people would mention Lasix, but just kind of shrug their shoulders and say whatever back then. What was it that made you want to look into it so deeply? Well, what happened was, you know, I worked for the Albany newspaper, the Times Union, and then also the Knickerbocker News, and I covered horse racing. And New York State, was the absolute last state to allow Lasix in 1995. And it, it was a source of pride for a lot of horsemen. I, I did a feature story on uh, Elliot Birch, his third-generation Hall of Famer. His father, his grandfather, all three of them Hall of Famers. And I asked him at the end of the interview, what were you proudest of in your career? And he said, racing my horses on hay, oats, and water. Mm. And that stuck with me. Mm. And New York, New York horsemen were proud of the fact that they didn't use drugs. And then in 95, the New York State Racing and Waging Board uh, changed it and allowed basics. And the guy who was the chairman of the Racing and Waging Board, Dr. Jerry Bolinski, who's a successful breeder and owner, 
Uh, he said that it was the worst mistake he ever made. And I asked him, well, why do you say that? And he said, because he thought everybody would follow the rules. Hmm. So I had been writing about how right New York State was by not allowing it in 95. And uh, when they allowed it, and uh, the more I looked, I mean, what I thought about doing this, and I took a book to, well, let me, you know, it's not hard to do research in horse racing. You pick up a copy of the Daily Racing Corps, and you go through all the horses in there to five or six different tracks. And I couldn't believe what I found. And that got me going to investigate further. It was like 92% of all the horses were on laces. And I'm saying, this is not right. And it wasn't right then, and it's even less right now. And, and with what's going on in the country and their opinion about horse racing, the absolute last thing we need to do is give them more ammunition. And that's what this is. This is all about. I mean, what's going on now, it's it's shameful. Yeah, I get the luxury of voting for the uh, Clips Awards, mm-hmm. and they send you out the ballot. And I, I so I went through that, and, and there's like 127 horses, different horses listed for the various awards. 125 of them are on laces. Wow. I said, my God, wow. this is what's happened. And, and back in 2002, I was friends with Lauren Stitch, who was the pedigree uh, columnist for the Daily Racing Forum. And she said back then she thought it was affecting the breed already. And, and wow. recently, like two months ago, uh, Bill Kastner, the head of Winstar, came out with a story that he said he thinks it's affecting bone density in, in, in offspring. Mm. So, and when you measure that against the fact that every other racing jurisdiction in the world, every single one of them, doesn't allow race day medication of any kind. So, what's going on here, and, and the difference between uh, really bleeding through your, the nostril, which is called epistaxis, mm-hmm. uh, that happens to like 0.03% of all horses. It's not the same thing as veterinarian sticking an endoscope down the horse's throat and spotting a few drops of blood in his lungs because it's called EIPH, exercise of these pulmonary hemorrhaging, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and other mammals do that too. Why? I don't know why. But that's the rationale for using it. And there's an hypocrisy here. And let's start with the vets. Every time they give a shot of laces, they get $20. So a typical card at any racetrack, you do 100 horses, that's $2,000 a day. So, yeah, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying there aren't good vets out there. There are wonderful vets out there. There's a woman named Patty Hogan, who's probably the most respected equine surgeon in the country. And uh, just to, to go off on a separate tangent, but when I, I did the book about fighting horse slaughter against the finish line, after the finish line, rather. And she went, even over her boss was Dr. Scott Palmer. Uh, uh, he was the head of the American Association of Equine Practitioners. And they were pro-slaughter. And so was the other vet group, the American Veterinary Medical Association. Mm. Both groups were favored. So she went, despite, you know, that, you know, she had worked for Dr. Palmer and testified in Congress about how ridiculous that was. And, and it was. And, you know, this slaughter has stopped in this country, thank God, since yeah. 2007. Mm-hmm. And now we have this thing that everybody's talking about and should be talking about because, you know, you look at all these two-year-olds. You know, you take a, a two-year-old race, let's say, Keeneland, and there's 12 horses, and 10 of them or 11 of them already on license. Yeah. Yeah, and and Bill, don't they, aren't they required to demonstrate that they actually bled uh, before they can be treated in the first place? Well, they, then you get into the fact that there's different regulations in every state, which is a okay. whole other problem. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's no one standard. So I, I would imagine that uh, when Dr. Belinsky was talking about the rules that he thought everyone would follow, uh, m- some of that must be that he expected that they would be very rigorous about you know this horse has to have 
demonstrably bled through the nostrils, uh, you know, and induced by racing and, and, and that's not what's happening. I, I mean, I'm guessing that's what he meant. Is that, is that what he was talking about? Do you think? Well, you know, at the time I looked at Kentucky mm-hmm. and Kentucky had one set of rules for thoroughbreds and one, a different one for harness horses. For harness horses, they had to show that they bled. For thoroughbreds, this was at the time, mm-hmm. they, all you had to do was request that they be put on the bets list. So oh, it's wow. the same state you had to do two different, and that's typical horse racing in this country, Yeah, which is yeah. It, it's infuriating to the point, you know, why are we the only ones in the world doing this? And, and there's so much hypocrisy in this. And, and, and one thing that I want to stress is we're not saying don't allow LASIX ever to treat leaders. That's not what anybody's right. saying. What right. we're saying is on race day, they shouldn't be administered LASIX. And, and it's interesting because in harness racing, their biggest race is the Hamiltonian for three-year-olds, mm-hmm. the equivalent of the Kentucky Derby. And like 30 years ago, they decided to not allow LASIX for any horse in that race. And they've had no problems. Nobody And they've gotten you know, faster actually. About it. They've gotten Yeah, they ha- they you're right. They yeah. actually have. Yeah. And yeah. that's one of the great lies about LASIKs that I that I was hoping the book would expose. And one of them is that it can't improve performance, which is crazy. Because LASIKs is a diuretic and horses right. can urinate as much as twenty pounds after taking LASIKs. So it, it, oh trainers will use a five pound trainers will use a five pound apprentice jockey to get five pounds off the horse, and the guy's even any good, everybody uses them to get five pounds off. Right, right. Twenty pounds off. I, I asked Alan Truck, is the whole thing trainer that passed away, unfortunately, and, and I asked him about it, and he said, you know, if one of his horses urinated a lot before a race, that was a, a positive thing to think he's carrying less weight. How could it not be? Wow. So, uh, and the, the, the same people that, you know, if a horse needs lipsticks to race, maybe they shouldn't be racing. And in other countries, what they do is they stop training the horse, let them heal, mm-hmm. right. and, let, and let them come back healthy. Right. And this to see, I mean, 98% of horses on six in this country, it's crazy. I mean, it's shameful. And, you know, when I did that book, I went through every study there was, which was surprisingly not as massive an undertaking as I thought it because there were only like maybe 15 studies that I had done. Mm-hmm. And after reading that, I didn't know whether or not even LASIK helps because there were studies done where it didn't help. But, you know, and to me, one measure is the daily racing form. And the daily racing form indicates when a horse is going to receive first-time LASIK. Mm-hmm. And the reason they do that is certainly because horses sometimes improve a great deal first-time LASIK. Mm-hmm. So they put that in for gamblers, and it's true. So for people to say that it can't improve performance, it's so, it's, it's, it's just so inaccurate. It, it is disgusting, and it really is. And, and another thing that, that really gets me is that some of these trainers who use Lasix will ship their horses to Dubai. And now next year, they have the even bigger race in Saudi Arabia. So, and it's the richest race their horses will ever run. And they don't allow Lasix. So they ship them to those races. And Americans usually have done pretty damn well in the well Dubai Cup. Yep. And without LASIKs, then they come back to the United States and, oh my God, they need LASIKs again. And I'm asking, why? Why is it, why is they okay to race to go travel 6,000 miles or whatever it is to get to Dubai and back? Mm. All that strain, race without the precious LASIKs that they say they need and still perform great. 
Well, one of the things that struck me is, you know, that with the dawning of the LASIK era, if you want to call it, that was, you know, as you said, was allegedly to, you know, help the health of the horse, performance of the horses is, and I think this was one of the things that Lawrence Stitch was referring to, you mentioned earlier, is, um, you know, the average, and there's a number of reasons for this, but, but you do have to wonder with the average number of starts way down over the years, have we yeah. bred this weakness or, or dependency that's, that's caused some weakness in the breed? Well, you know, and that's something, those are facts, that's not opinions. The facts are, the number of starts, you know, was something like 11 or 10 average back in the mid-70s. Mm -hmm. And ever since Lasix and Butte, which is an analogy of a painkiller, were introduced in the racetracks in the mid-70s, that's when the number of starts began to diminish greatly. And now, it's like 6, it used to be 11. Field size is down. Horses can't run a great deal of distance anymore. There's no more hand, real handicap racing with horses carrying weight anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and to say that, you know, keep your head buried in the sand and say something's going on here, you don't have to read your changes to say, this is not right. Because Lasix was supposed to improve horses' health, health so right. they race more often. Right. And instead of that, they're racing half as much. So what's the explanation for that? The simple explanation is that Lasix is not making them any healthy. You know, you brought up the uh, example of standard breads, and uh, like a lot of people, I suppose, that I, I first got my start uh, in horse racing with, with the trotters. And, that's what and, I did, though. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, you know, and, and that's that's not uncommon. And, you know, they're not racing on Lasix, first of all. And the other thing that I think people who maybe aren't as familiar with the world standard breads that don't understand is that those horses, they, they're scoring down before races. They're running five or six miles right. a day to get ready for their races right. and they don't require yeah. this bleeding medication, right? It's, it, it really is counterintuitive because you would think, oh, that much exercise is going to be the strain and the stress, but it right. actually maybe seems to have strengthened them. Well, I don't know what the numbers in racing are now, but when I did the book, which is already 18, oh my God, that's 17 years ago, um, was that honest horses were using about 50% compared to thoroughbreds, 90%. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, to say it's not impacting the breed, and why are we the only country that that allows it? Right, right. And Europe, the rest yeah, of the world. It, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and and let me tell you something. Racing is huge in Asia, absolutely huge. Mm -hmm. And in Japan, in Hong Kong, and you look at places like Australia and New Zealand and everywhere else, Europe and England and France, and they all have one thing in common: they're uniform rules, and they don't allow any race day medication. Well, that, that whole uniform rules thing is really interesting too, right? Because we, as you, you know, you alluded to, we've got all these different state commissions all have different rules. Right. You know, I remember actually, this is probably pre-1995 when Harvey Pack given a, a seminar at Ciro sitting there one Saturday morning and Harvey saying about Kentucky, <laughs> Kentucky trainers, they can't bring their medicine cabinets up here with them, you know, when they, when they right. get to Saratoga right. and, you know, I didn't really know what he was talking about. I mean, I did know what he was talking about, but I didn't really understand what he was talking about, but I'm sure that's one of the things that he was talking about was, you know, Lasix and, and their inability to use it was impacting their, their weight loss or, you know, or, or inability to lose weight and, and maybe causing them to finish up the track. Right. And, you know, what we haven't mentioned at all is the fact that because it's a diuretic, it flushes out drugs. Yes, drugs. a masking agent. And, yep. Yep. Yeah, it's a masking agent. And, uh, to think that people don't take advantage of that is, is rather naive. There's not a lot of good reasons as to say why we're allowing this to happen and why are our horses less sound and making half as many starts. It's like half as many starts as they did in the 70s. And I'll tell you a little anecdote. When I did the book, 
Mm-hmm. I got a letter from Dr. Alex Hardhill. Oh, sure. He's a veterinarian yeah. in Kentucky that takes great pride, or took great pride, I'm sorry that he passed away about three or four years ago, but took great pride in the fact that he introduced Lasix and Butte to horse racing. And when he must have gotten a copy of my book, and he wrote me a four-page letter or whatever about talking what an idiot I am, and I don't understand horse racing, why he's so proud and everything. And I took that as a badge of honor. If I disagree with him, I think I'm on the right side. You know, mm-hmm. he's a veterinarian. I don't have a hidden agenda. I have, you know, no vested interest in this. My only interest is doing right by the horse, which is not being done by keeping them laces every single time they race, whether they need it or not. Right, right. What happened to that, you know, the idea that the horse comes first, and as a cliche as it was, you know, you're trying to improve the breed. Well, horses can't run like they used to. So we're going to sit around and do nothing and say, yeah, we're, we're, the, we're the only ones right in the entire global racing community that allows LASIKs. And mm-hmm. I talked recently about maybe a month ago, I was talking to a New York trainer whose name I won't mention because we were talking off the record. And I asked him about LASIKs. He said he was all for it. He said, if there was no LASIKs, half the horses in this barn couldn't race. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, if they can't race, does that mean they're just racing while they're sick? Right. And that's another whole problem. Right. You're masking the pro- the there's physical problems if a horse isn't doing well. And to mask them with Lasix, you're not doing what's right for the horse. I, I hate to say it, but it's like every other country that has racing. I mean, the rules are much more stringent. You know, in Europe, a lot of them race from off the farm as opposed to being stabled in a, in a city where there's a lot of contamination and pollution and everything else. And they just, you know, they run less often, but, you know, and it's affected, you can see the being affected in the yearling markets with the United States, you know, stallions and everything internationally. But, and I don't see a downside, and and perhaps most important right now at this instant is that racing is under intense negative, oh yeah, intense negative, you know, vigilance as to what happened with Santa Anita and the deaths and everything. And, you know, for people to, to look at this and say, you know, they can't police themselves. There's no uniform rules, and there's no explanation. Yeah, and I don't know how much traction that, you know, the bill. there's a bill before Congress called the Horse Racing Integrity Act, mm-hmm. and that would set up a national body and uniform rules, and it's gaining support. I don't know if it'll ever pass, but part of the problem here is that all those different state commissions in the 32 states that allow horse racing, they've got tons of patriots. They got, they got, they got, they got paid staff, they, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And yep. so they're going to give up that power. Not, to do not easily. Right by their horse? Yeah. Not easily. Yeah, the only way, the only way horse racing gets this in the United States is if it's slammed through by federal legislation. And as 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 little faith as one might have in the federal government, at least the rules will be the same. That's right. Part. Right. No, I, I I I I I've come to that same conclusion as well, particularly with. With, like we said, the, the microscope, the scrutiny that this board is under to not address the whole medication issue, Lasix and many others, by the way, is, it's, it's as an old boss of mine used to say, he said, let's not load up the gun and then point it at ourselves, right? Um, You're right. You know, right, right. Not addressing it is, is, is a death knell. And, and actually, it brings up one of my favorite points about, I would say a couple of things. First of all, I always like to point out to people, secretary raced 11 times as a two-year-old. You don't. The, right. the most recent Triple Crown winner, Justify, raced six times in his life before being retired, right? Um, right. And there was the whole thing with Justify and the, the scopolamine test and, 
you know, right. I'm sure you did the same thing I did when those stories were out reading about it's class A versus B versus C. And at this dosage, it's a, it's this versus right. that. And my head was just spinning reading this stuff. Right. And then you start reading about things like shockwave therapy and, and, and you go back and then you think right. about, you know, uh, certain trainer down in Florida who's active again using snake venom. Uh, you know, we are in a different era now that completely demands transparency. And I, I just want to throw a thought out there because you've obviously given a lot of thought to this. I want to get your reaction to it. <clears throat> and maybe this would be something that would be addressed at the federal level. I think a better alternative, at least one that I think is worth discussing is you, the trainer, you can treat the horse with whatever you want. Okay. But you have to disclose everything that you've treated the horse with, and you have to disclose the reason why. And if in any kind of testing that horse is found to have anything other than what you have, you know, said you are treating him with, you are going to start, you know, feeling the fines and the, and the punishments, et cetera. Because I think that just the act of having to be transparent about what you did, you know, shining right. a light is going to have a positive impact. At least that's my thought. And I, I'm curious what you think about that. Well, you know, ideally, it, it would be great, again, if everybody did the same thing. Um, so policing that is, is going to be very hard. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm, I'm more interested in these people, you know, these, especially the trainers that send their horses to Dubai, and now they're going to send them all to Saudi Arabia because they have a $20 million right. purse. And why do they not hesitate? Because the horse will not have Lasix there. It doesn't stop them from shipping there. That's a good point. So it's okay to... It's it's okay to ship halfway around the world for a ten million dollar race and run without Lasix, but when they come back here and they run in a twenty thousand dollar allowance or whatever, gotta have the Lasix. Yeah, yeah. It's just that that additional edge they're looking for, I guess. Right when uh, when they're they're back here in the states. Uh, oh yeah, and everybody that proposed, you know, that was for Lasix said, "Well, we gotta keep it a level playing field." Well, let me tell you something. It's not a level playing field when you look around the world. Every you know, they always say keep a level playing field here against other horses here. But you look around the world and see that every other country, every single racing jurisdiction, they're all on the same page. Mm-hmm. No race day medication. Mm-hmm. So, again, there's, there's a lot of hubris involved in saying, well, we've got it right and they're all wrong. And, again, the bottom thing is if these horses aren't healthy enough to race, then don't race them. Let them heal. Let them heal up. Yeah. You know, there are. There are there are trainers out there, and there used to be a lot more, that think that, you know, horses don't really reach their peak until four, five, or even six mm-hmm. sometimes. Yep. And so what we're doing is going the opposite way and emphasizing early speed. You have these two-year-old training sale where they go ridiculously fast, eight slip a mile and everything. And is that good? Does that help them in the long run? You know, I'm not sure, but it's like, Hey, can we do better than 125 out of 127 horses that are going to win the Eclipse Awards on Lasix? Well, that you I brought mean, up really? another good point, Bill. That whole emphasis on early speed now, you know, when you talk about the fandom of the sport and shrinking fandom of the sport, the fact that right. those horses don't stay around very long, right, prevents us from getting an attachment to some of these horses that is one of the things that drives fandom, right? They kind of repeated... Seeing this yeah. horse like a cigar, like are you are we ever going to see a cigar again winning you know nineteen in a row, whatever you know, right. one. and that that horse is going to be off to the breeding shed, uh, you know, uh, like like a justify off to the shed after six after six starts. Wouldn't wouldn't it have been great to see what he did as a as a four year old or a five year old? Uh, yeah, obviously, and, and the, the two saddest things in my life 
is never getting the opportunity in harness racing to see Nia Tross, who was 37 for 39 lifetime, mm-hmm. race as a four-year-old, and in thoroughbred racing, never seeing Secretariat as a four-year-old. Because having done uh, a biography of this jockey, Ron Turcott, Ronnie said that he was better on grass than on dirt. Oh. Which is quite a statement. But he said on, on grass, it was like a deer going over the surface. And, you know, who knows? There's never been a American horse to win the, you know, the Prix d'Arc in France. Uh, who knows? Right. But, right. Uh, and so the, for racing, to lose those stars, just like you said, it's, it's terrible for racing. Racing needs all the help it can get in this environment. And we're not getting it by, you know, making our horses dependent on a diuretic that, again, yeah, you know, I've seen enough studies that question how effective it is. Yeah, it, it's uh, like I think it, it, the, the key point here is that we are up against it as a sport right now, and if we're not looking at every single aspect of how we treat these animals and how we uh, how we treat the animals, how we treat the fans, uh, you know, how we treat the public, everything. If we're not looking at every single aspect of it, and I, I think there's a lot of people that just are not right. They, you know. Um, uh, instead they come out with things like, like out in California, they wanted to ban the whip, you know, or the, which is right. not even a whip anymore. It's a crop. It's, it's not even a, a, a whip. And, 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 you know, Johnny Velasquez, who I had on the podcast one time was saying to me that, you know, let's, we, let's see what the racing is like when there's no whips out there. You're not going to like what you see. These, it seems to me like these are surface issues that people want to get at perception issues and not really meaty issues because the discussions are too difficult to have. Right. Well, yeah, but it's down the road that it's going to come up. It's got to come up, you know, the use of the whip. And, um, again, it's what the public perception is, perception is really important to mm-hmm. the health of yeah. a sport. And right now, it's not very high. And to keep this thing going with allowing race day medication when no other country in the world does it, you know, it's, 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 it's certainly not going to help racing image. And racing needs everything it can get you know, in his favor now because, you know, God forbid maximum security when in the Derby, you know, they oh. could have put heels. Oh, boy. And, and you said, oh, my God. Yeah. With, yeah. You know, on the turn with everybody moving in a 20-horse field or a 19-horse field or whatever, that could have been unbelievably yeah. horrible. Yeah. Well, you know, that, that's a whole nother topic, too. The, 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 yeah. the greediness of, you know, let's get 20 horses out there is just ridiculous. And, and I call it greed because there's no earthly reason to have 20 horses running in that race. And, you know, year in and year out, there are about 12 or 13 or 14 that really belong in that race, I would say. The rest of them, right. I don't know what they're doing in there. But, yeah, we were we were inches away from disaster in that sport that day. Right. Inches away. Hey, and it's interesting, too, because the Preakness is a much more different horse race because, you know, there's only seven or eight horses in there. And it's a more honest horse race because, let's face it, in a 20-horse field, there's going to be three or four horses that have terrible trips that never have a chance. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, you see it when they open the gate of the Derby sometimes. You know, like, well, the race is yeah. over for that guy, you know, uh, because they, you know, they, they come flying out of gate 15 and, and crunch the field, uh, you know, to the five horses to the inside. Yes, they do. Yeah. They do that. Mm-hmm. So, Bill, there are some proposals for reform uh, coming, right? Uh, isn't it in 2020 that two-year-olds are, right. not, are not going to be able to race on, on eliminating the use of Lasix on race day, correct? Some jurisdictions are doing that. I'm not sure uh, if I know all of them. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, some people are starting to do that. And, I mean, let's, again, you have 12 first-time starters as two-year-olds, and 11 of them are on Lasix already. 
You know, and so you know, did veterinarians, you know, see that before they allow them on Lasix? Did the Lasix Commission look at it? It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, really, a two-year-old isn't healthy enough to make one start without Lasix. Without Lasix, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you, you see that far too often. Although I would argue that at least the last couple of years at Saratoga, all of a sudden, you you know, if you see an eight-horse, two-year-old field, maybe three of them aren't on Lasix, which is... Yeah. Big. But it's usually the same trainers over and over, right? It's Christophe Clement, Tom Albertrani. Um, right. And I can't think of another one right now. But, you know, it, it's typically the same trainers over and over again that aren't starting them out right away on Lasix. Right. Well, one of the more interesting interviews I did for that book on Lasix is I interviewed Andre Fobb at France. Okay. Who's yep. widely regarded as one of the greatest trainers of all time. And he was a former jockey. And he said he took Lasix to lose weight, to make his weight as a jockey. And he said he lost the weight, but it was terrible because he had no energy in the afternoon. He couldn't perform. So he never uses Lasix. Yeah. And even when he comes here for the Breeders' Cup, you know, no Lasix. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that's kind of summarized, you know, what the deal is, at least, you know, for human beings. that Yeah, it got weight off, but there was a cost. Yeah. And for yeah. horse racing, there's a cost, too. And that cost is public perception, which is already at an all-time low, and changing that and policing ourselves. And again, we're, we're strapped because there's only, you know, there's every state, 32 different jurisdictions. Right, right. Well, it's hard not to make the link, like we talked about earlier, between the average number of starts being weighed down, the field size being weighed right. down, dating that from the time when we began to get much more liberal with the use of these drugs, right? It's, it, it's hard not to make that correlation, really. And, uh, you know... Um, these are all things that uh, have to be addressed. But to your point, Bill, I think that uh, as long as we're in the era of 32 different commissions with, you know, as we said, all those, all that paid staff there, uh, all having right. different rules, it's going to be, it, 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 it's going to be very difficult. Um, yeah, it, it is. It's a mess. It really is. But I it's mean, something we can, can imagine. Do. Yeah. But can you imagine if, uh, you know, if the college football players and Super Bowl, well, it depends on which state you're in because there are different rules. Right. Right. No, it makes or in baseball yeah. or basketball or anything else, it makes no sense. No, it, it doesn't make it doesn't make any sense at all. Um, well, this is just another pessimistic look at our sport that we seem to be having these yeah, discussions well. lately. You know, but look, you this is a kind of rip the bandaid off moment, right? Uh, for any number of yeah. different topics associated with this sport, it's uh, make the changes or or suffer the consequences. Yeah, pretty much so. Well, Bill, we'll uh, track this issue with obviously a lot more interest as time goes on, and hopefully, you know, voices like yours and 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 others can rise up and affect the change in the industry that I really do, I really do think we need very, very desperately. So, th- thanks for doing this today. Really appreciate it, and um, we'll stay in touch on this. All right. All right, Bill. Thank you so much. All right. Join us next week for another fascinating guest on Can Do, and in the meantime, may the horse be with you.